Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, and thank you so much for listening today and each Wednesday as we talk about all things progress. I'm really grateful to those of you who have taken up my little hint to take screenshots and share out an episode if you like it, and it's been really great to connect with you on social media when you do it there. So if you do do that this episode, please make sure you tag me at About Progress and use the hashtag About Progress Podcast so that I can reach out with you and get to know you a little bit better too. And thanks to those who've also left reviews on iTunes. Those keep coming in bit by bit. It's been a little slower lately, which I totally, totally get. But all the same, I really am grateful for the reviews and ratings that you leave there. I know this is a really busy time for everybody. So let me just get right to who you will be hearing from today. Dina Alexander is the founder of a nonprofit called Educate and Empower Kids. It's actually more about educating and empowering parents how to have tough conversations with their kids and actually 
parent in the digital age that we are in right now. Dina and I actually have a series of interviews coming out together, and the primary focus is how to build really good communication skills with your family, with your kids, establishing connections that need to be in place for really tough conversations to happen. So we spend some time on that, but we also spend uh, time on technology in particular, how to instill a desire in your kids to use technology for good and for wise purposes. And she has a lot of expertise in this area. So I know you're going to really appreciate what Dina says. Just a forewarning for you, if you have little ones around while you're listening, there are some adult words here. No language of any kind, but again, we are bringing up some tough topics um, that might need to be discussed with our children, and there might be some words your little ones are just not prepared to hear yet. So just make sure you have your headphones in or listen on your own in case you're not ready to talk about certain things with your kids. Let's turn the time over to Dina. I want to welcome Dina Alexander to the show. Hi, Dina. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time. It's been so nice to get to know you a little better, as well as your nonprofit that we're going to spend time talking about. But before we jump in, how about you give our listeners an introduction? Hi, everyone. So this is Dina. Um, I grew up in California, but now I'm living in the great state of Texas. I have three children and a husband. Um, I got my bachelor's degree from Brigham Young University in pre-marriage and family therapy and my master's in recreation therapy from the University of Utah. Uh, Most people have no idea what recreation therapy is. And the easiest way to describe it is it's using games and initiatives to talk about our feelings and experiences versus, say, just sitting in a circle for group therapy. So that's a little bit about me. Well, that sounds like you'd get a lot more out of people that way. I mean, I'm more inclined to talk when I'm on a run, you know, we talk about that, right? You're running therapy with your friends and that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I know for me, um, we we tend to tell on ourselves too when we're in a game. We can't (laughs) really, we can't really keep who we are a seat. Most people can't anyways, keep ourselves a secret once we're playing a game or engaging in an activity. So we, that's also a really cool tool. Okay, that is so fascinating. Now I want to learn all about that field. So, but we are here to talk about your nonprofit and also you as an expert. Um, you have so much that you could teach us today. Um, but let's start by how about you tell us more about your nonprofit? It's called Educate and Empower Kids. What is that about? So, about four years ago, I a little more than four years ago, we I read an article about uh, teen porn consumption, and it really freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And it basically, though, had a good effect in that it lit a fire inside me where I just felt like I have to do something about this. There were very few parent resources online for talking about that I felt that were great resources and talking about the dangers of porn, but also its opposite healthy sexuality. So I we started there, but that's the place we started out. And since then, we have evolved to talk about many issues that have to do with parenting in the digital age. And some of those are reflective of what's going on in my life. I have, you know, two teenagers now, and an 11 year old. And so some of these issues are the things that people talk to us about. They ask us about that. It is, you know, it's not just about pornography that's going online. There's also amazing, great things that can happen with technology. So we want parents to, you know, embrace those good things with their kids. But 
you know, we, that's where we started and we've just kind of blossomed from there and grown and changed. And I myself have, you know, grown and changed a lot with, you know, just being able to work with so many amazing parents and meet so many great people around the country that have just taught me to be a better mom, to be a better person. Oh, it's so incredible. And I love the whole tone of your mission. It really is to educate and empower. It's not about shame and guilt or uh, to make kids afraid or parents afraid. You're empowering parents so much to to also empower their kids. You have a lot of free resources on there. Tell people what they can find on your website and what other things you offer so that they know what where they can begin and exploring what you have to offer. Thanks. Yeah. So we, that is our, our goal is I want parents, you know, so we like one of the things we offer is community workshops. Oh, we go and we speak that. all, we speak all over the country, you know, to, you know, school groups, parent groups, and also even to church groups. And that is the one thing I want when parents leave those meetings is to feel like, oh, I got this. Oh, I can totally yeah. do this. I can have these difficult conversations. They should look at our books. They should look at our articles. And then at the end of them feel like, oh, I can totally do this. Because that is, I don't want that fear. I, I remember feeling that fear and feeling like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And it took a lot of work and a lot of research to overcome that. And I don't feel like that should have to happen for everybody. And so we, like I said, we offer the community workshops, but we also offer several books. We have tons of free downloadable um, lessons that are kind of built as family night lessons that we have ones about consent. We have ones about healthy body image, about media literacy, about using technology for good. We have lessons about talking to your kids about pornography, about good touch, bad touch. So lots of different lessons that, again, these are the things that people are concerned about being a parent this day and age. And so we have we have this great like article series called Don't Freak Out. And so those I love we, that we, we actually talk about tough topics. We wrote, you know, recently we published two articles about masturbation because nobody wants to talk to their kids about masturbation. There's nobody. again there's so much there's so <laughs> much shame and there's so much fear around it that hopefully we've broken it down into something simpler. Mm. Uh, we also have this great kids page that you can do with your kids that it is all about media literacy. Now, usually when I go around and I speak to parents, they have no idea what media literacy is. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. <laughs> and that is because, so we no longer live in a print-based culture. Uh, when I was a child of the 80s, that was basically the end. That was that was for that last time. Those were those last years of a print-based culture where we got most of our information from newspapers and magazines. Now we live in an image-based culture, and most of mm. us are image illiterate. We don't know how to read an advertisement. We can. It takes a lot of critical thinking for us to look at an ad and go, "Wait a second, that's fake." She doesn't really look like that. What are they using to draw my attention to try to get me to buy this product, whether that's a video, an ad, a billboard, a website? And so, like, we have a book coming out in the new year called Petra's Power to See, and that is about media literacy. Uh, But on on the web page, on the kids page, they can go through different advertisements for different age groups to kind of pull apart those ads. We call it deconstructing. You're pulling apart the advertisement. And this is something that we would love to see over the next few years become second nature for children. It's something right now that, like I said, it takes work and critical thinking. And in the schools, they've been doing media literacy for years, but it's mostly been focused on a text, you know, on a 
you know, a work of prose on poetry, on a book. So they're learning to deconstruct a book, but there's very little being done out there on how to deconstruct, say, a social media post. Mm. You know, what is my what is my friend really trying to say with her sexy photo? Yeah. What what is who is her audience? Why does she see the need to do that? This is all media literacy and this is to me, a critical, critical skill that we and our kids need to learn in this new day and age. And so that's why we have started to address that. And we'll be having that book coming out in the new year, because it's when I go around and speak to parents, again, that's a term that nobody knows what it means. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, we we need to find out because it's, it's critical, but it's also fascinating. It's Mm -hmm. also really interesting and brings great conversation between parents and kids. Well, adults need that, too. We all need to have better uh, media literacy, if I can say that word. We all need better media literacy. Um, Absolutely. Your your site alone, I recommend, is a great way to start because there are so many free resources there. You talked about those articles on Don't Freak Out and the lessons. I mean, I just went down a wormhole on your site and I read (laughs) so many things and they gave me great and um, easy to apply ideas. So, well done on that first. Um, second, I, I wanted to talk about this overall mission that you have. What would you say your mission is with this nonprofit? It's um, about helping parents in the digital age. It's about that empowerment of, and at the heart of it, it is about strengthening families and creating deep connection. Hmm. Because I feel like that is something that is you know, kind of falling apart in this day and age. We all feel it. And it's not just, say, people who are religious. It's everybody is feeling it. Like I went to this conference last week about digital citizenship. And there were people from all walks of life from around the country and a few people from outside the country. And that is something that kept coming out is this lack of connection. We, we're we all feeling that loneliness. We're all feeling that isolation as parents, as our kids as teenagers, as spouses that we're trying to figure out, you know, these old ways of building community are kind of falling Mm -hmm. away from us. And so at the heart of it, that is what it is, is, you know, using these conversations, sometimes they're tough conversations. Like I said, nobody wants to talk about masturbation. Most people don't want to talk about pornography. They don't even want to talk about great, healthy sexuality. But these, you know, difficult discussions are what bring meaningful connection between Mm. us and our kids. And so that is, you know, if I can have one thing for parents is to have that deep connection with their kids where, you know, I, I want my kids to ask, be able to ask me anything. And I want other parents to have that as well. Oh, I love it so much. What do you see is happening? Like, what are the effects of what this nonprofit is doing that you have actually seen in real life happening? What I have seen and what we have heard from a lot of parents is, again, where they have, they feel this sense of, I can do this. You know, that like they, they'll look at our books, like our 30 days of sex talks, we purposely made them as absolutely simple as possible. That's why there's 30 lessons, say, in that book, where they are broken down into these really tiny bite-sized chunks where any parent can look at that and go, oh, I can do this. And so that is one of the great rewards of what we're seeing is that people are able to do, you know, difficult things 
and feel like they're making progress with their kids. You know, that was one of the great benefits when we first started, say, when we were doing the research for the book and all of the board members and different people that we asked to read the book, they were like, I cannot believe the conversations we were having with my kids. Like Mm. all of us were like, we thought that we'd have, you know, we kind of practiced or prepared for like a five or 10 minute lesson and it came and then it, our kids came back to us with so many great questions that it turned into a 30 40 minute discussion and so that and i'm big on discussions That's i incredible. love sitting and chatting with my kids always have and so that has been one of the the best effects of this is seeing these like again these connections being made from with parents and children is realizing oh i can ask my mom that Okay, wait, dad's dad's not going to freak out if I bring up this topic at the dinner table, you know, that it's okay for me to be curious that we're seeing that, that these effects are kind of are happening within families that, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with me for wondering about that. You know, it's natural for me, you know, to want to know about sex. And it's like, yes. So those kinds of things of just, it's really helping to decrease shame in families. You know, mm-hmm. you and I, our parents were taught that you were supposed to use shame, that it was mm-hmm. a, that, that a healthy dose of shame would prevent, you know, unwanted pregnancies or that, that that would help a child, you know, understand, say, the sacred nature of sex. And it just wasn't so. But that, again, was how our parents were taught and what they thought was healthy to teach us. And, of course, the research and the common sense of, of us has told us that just doesn't that's just not so. And so I feel like that's one of the best benefits of what we've been able to do within my own family and then in with the, the people that have, you know, given us feedback from their work with their families. Yeah, you know, so four years ago, you were freaked out. <laughs> and who can blame you, which I think is probably what led to those um, articles, Don't Freak Out, which is fun. Um, in your own personal family, do you feel, do you feel like it's, um, molding the family that you wanted to combat that article that you read four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, when I, like I said, I, I couldn't, I was so shocked by it, what I had read. It was so horrifying and sad to me. And I, I remember one of the things coming at the time my daughter was in seventh or eighth grade. And I remember thinking there's no, there will be nobody left for her. Mm-hmm. She will not have to, she will not be able to date anyone or marry anyone that has not either that's not either addicted or just has a very warped sense of sexuality. And, you know, like I said, I, I remember they came home from school that day and I immediately started talking to them about that. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna create some family night lessons on this and I'm gonna put them on Pinterest and I'm gonna be done. That was that was the first thought. And then I realized I started talking to other parents and I couldn't even get them to talk about sex. And it wasn't just a Christian issue. It was my atheist friends. It was everybody was scared. And I thought, we can do better than this. Mm. And so, again, so I started practicing these kinds of conversations with my kids. And that's where we started, you know, deciding, okay, well, we got to write a book about talking to your kids about healthy intimacy. And so, and I would ask my kids various questions and that kind of led to, you know, other research and talking to other, you know, therapists and it kind of blossomed. And I, I mean, I look at it and I'm like, I'm not a perfect mom. You know, I make mistakes every day. I don't know any expert who hasn't also had hilarious horror stories of how they have <laughs> messed up these talks with their kids. Yeah. But again, like no one expects that 
no one expects perfection. We're all just doing our best. We're all just progressing mm. forward. And so I think that's one of the best effects is, you know, I know that I'm a better mom. I'm not a perfect mom by any means. I make mistakes every day, but I I'm a better mom for this, you know, and that's that to me is the most important thing. Like I I love and I know that I need to be helping other people and I'm blessed that I get to do that. But the most important thing for me is that I'm helping my kids the best I can form healthy ideas of technology, of, you know, intimacy, of friendship, love, romance, etc. It's so impressive. Um, you know, I'm thinking about people who are listening and they're probably wondering, well, how how soon do I start having these conversations? And I also imagine other people who are listening and thinking, oh, it's too late. You know, my kids are in their late teens now or even they're, they're tweens and they're already on, you know, a path that uh, it seems like they can't stop. So what would you say is the answer to both of those people? Well, I would say that you're going to start as early as you can. You're going to start earlier than you think. Mm -hmm. And also that there is no too late because Mm. everybody, all of us as parents have something that we're good at, you know, that we're just boom, we are just on this. We've got it, you know, and there are certain things that we, that we're not doing great at. And that doesn't mean that we just give up and stop and go, oh, it's too late for me. All done. (laughs) I can't do it. You just start where you're at. And you hmm. meet your you meet your kids where they're at, but again, because of this technology driven culture we're in, we can no longer afford to wait. You know, when I was a new mom, I was told wait until your kids ask you about sex. We don't recommend that anymore. We don't. If you're well, handing I your never ask my parents. Yeah, exactly. And also, we just we, we're handing you know two year olds phones to play with that hmm. they can come across anything. So we have hmm. to again kind of take that conversation from the beginning. That, that doesn't mean that you immediately have to go to the mechanics of sex and talking about penis and vagina and what, you know, what, how the mechanics of sex, but you can start out with protective information. You know, what, what are the things that are okay for us to do in public? What are the things that are okay for us to do in private? You know, who are the people in our fam in our lives that we trust? You know, who, you know, where, you know, why do we wear clothing? It's to protect us. These are things that you can talk to a three and four year old about. And you also need to talk about pornography, even at that young age, because they might be exposed to things from a very young age. And it doesn't have to be very explicit and scary. It's just, it can be as simple as if you see something that makes you uncomfortable, you need to come and tell mom or dad right away. You know, or if we see pictures of people that are naked, we need to tell mom and dad right away. And also Mm -hmm. because kids play with phones so much, by the way, also, we do not take pictures of ourselves when we are naked or just in our underwear because, again, kids, they're very innocent and they, they're they taking – at least my kids like to take pictures all the time with mm-hmm. my phone. So we need to – again, and it can be that simple and that is not a scary conversation. That's just practical, matter-of-fact information. And so it can just start that simple and then you kind of get comfortable with just some of those topics – And then you add on from there. You just layer on from there. But even if you have a 12 or a 13-year-old that maybe you haven't spoken with about anything, you can start those conversations even there, finding out gently what they maybe already know and where you can go from there. And then again, it's about the focus needs to be on intimacy. So we're, you know, at school, most of our kids are going to, they're going to understand pregnancy and STDs. That's why those topics are at the very end 
of our 12 plus and our 8 to 11 book because those are not as important for us as focusing on intimacy. That's why there's lessons in there about building a healthy relationship. You know, that's a great place to start for parents who are feeling squeamish for any age group. Let's talk about what a healthy relationship looks like. Let's talk about what the ideal partner looks like. You know, what do you want in a husband? What do you want in a wife? You know, why do we, you know, what, what makes a good, and helping our kids understand what a good relationship looks like by modeling that and then discussing it, you know, and maybe talking about couples that you know that, wow, they seem to really get along. They talk, they speak kindly to each other. They laugh together. They support each other. Helping our kids form those early ideas of the, of a healthy relationship, because that again will help them to know, okay, when is the right time to have sex? When is not the right time? What does that ideal partner look like that I want to share this special part of me with? So there's a lot of different approaches that we can take to make it a fun, meaningful conversation instead of a scary, yeah. don't do this, don't do that Yes, conversation. More about how they can make choices to meet what they eventually want in the long run and less about the do's and don'ts. Um, Absolutely. I love that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this can, this whole tone that, that you mentioned about um, forming connections and empowering them and having difficult conversations, but sometimes in a lighthearted way and, and always in a positive way, it can be applied to so many topics. I mean, you, you've talked about how it's, it's pornography, it's tech use, it's body image. Um, but I would like to talk more specifically about what parents can do to help their children make good decisions internally and how this applies specifically to tech use, which is such a new thing. And like you said, such a huge, it can be such a huge problem, but it can also be such a good tool. So let's talk about what are some specific things parents can be doing right now to educate and empower their kids to make good decisions within themselves. So I think the first and foremost thing that parents that we need to make sure that we ourselves are using tech in a great way. Mm. So I want my kids to start envisioning a world where social media is 90% positive. 
Now, it's not there's no perfect social media out there, but I would like to start getting kids dreaming of a of a time or a place where it's not just fighting about politics, it's not just sharing useless information, it's not just gossiping, it's not just selfies. Yeah. I not that, you know, okay, it's okay to post a, a picture of yourself once in a while, that's no big deal, but I'm saying there are so many amazing uses for technology and one, do I know as a parent, do I know what some of those uses are? And have I taught my kids those? So again, right now, I think we have a culture where, and I I'm, I say this in a way of like, I'm lucky that my kids were older when, we, when smartphones came out. Mm-hmm. Because if I had had a smartphone when my kids were two and three and I was tired, you better believe I would have just handed it to them and been like, here, yeah, let me have yeah. 20 minutes to sleep. Go ahead and play with this. And I'm lucky that I didn't have that temptation, mm-hmm. you know, but one, it's kind of curbing early screen time because every pediatrician will tell you that that is not good for kids to be learning, to constantly be feeding that, you know, that addict, that addiction, that constant need for stimulation, that it's a good thing for our kids to get bored. Mm -hmm. But so first starting out where, you know, lessening screen time, but also teaching our kids from an early age that it's not just a pacifier. It's not just an entertainment piece. These smartphones are so incredibly powerful. We can literally start a movement and change the world with these. And most of us have no idea about that, that we could literally create an entire movement of changing the world. You know, I can start a petition online. I can start sharing and tweeting constantly about a certain topic that is near and dear to my heart. I, whether that's about motherhood, whether that's about feminism, whether that's about environmental issues, you can create so much on a smartphone. And right now, most of us just hand them to kids for the purpose of texting and watching videos or playing games. Not that those are terrible things, you know, we, I text my kids, I, you know, just this morning, I texted my kids, tell them I love them, and I hope they have a great day. You know, those, so that's a positive use for tech right there. But I also want them to understand that there's so much more to these than just being entertained and pacified. So there's a time and place for that relaxation that, you know, but again, helping our kids understand, okay, even from an early age, these are fun. Let's do this fun thing. But hey, what's something good? Hey, can we call or text grandma with this phone? Let's go ahead and send a positive message to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I myself as a parent, when I'm on Facebook or Instagram, what kind of positivity am I sharing? You know, am I just like, 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 liking everybody's or am I going to maybe be a little more assertive and share, you know, give somebody a sincere compliment? And again, modeling that for our kids. And it's okay to show your kids, oh, hey, I'm going to compliment this person. Again, that's how are they supposed to learn otherwise? They have to see us doing it. So we need to be able to show our kids, this is what I'm, these are the positive ways I'm using my phone. I'm going to compliment my friend. I'm going to, you know, I feel like someone might be having a rough day today. I'm going to send them a text. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to call them and help brighten their day. So showing them from a very early age, the amazing things that we can do, that we can brighten someone's day, that we can make someone laugh, and that the information I'm sharing is not just useless information, and it's not just gossip, celebrity gossip, it's not just complaining about um, our politicians or other leaders, that I'm going to do something supportive and helpful, that the information I share is useful. 
And, you know, I mean, it, it might sound like you're bragging to your kids, but it's like, no, you're just showing them these are the opportunities we have, mm. letting them realize their influence. You know, think about it. A hundred years ago, I could probably only influence maybe 20 to 100 people that lived around me in a small town or a small community or maybe the people in my apartment complex. But now we live in a time where we can have our ripples of change can happen all over the world. And so empowering our kids to go, well, what do you really care about? So finding out from our kids, what do you care about and where, what would you like to make better? What would you like to help others with? And that might be as simple as helping a friend create a cooler Minecraft village. You know, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. all earth shattering in one day. Yes. It's building, building those small steps. You know, I, I like Minecraft. I like that my kids play Minecraft. They don't do it all day long. We have, you know, very limited time. They're allowed 30 minutes of computer if they've read for 30 minutes a day after their homework. And we're pretty strict. So, you know, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying that's what works in my family. Mm-hmm. But I like that they can show each other. My boys can show each other what they built or what, you know, what's a new way to use the tools on Minecraft, using apps to do, to show, um, to help do our homework. You know, most classrooms use Google Classroom. You know, those are, there's ways for us as parents to engage in our kids' classrooms through Google Classroom. Do your kids know all the other apps that are useful, not just ones for, you know, messaging, but what else, you know, there are so many amazing tools. And so it's, it's taking those time to find out, you know, if you Google using tech for good, you will come away with other resources. We have things on our website about, you know, five ways kids can use smartphones for good, 10 ways kids can use technology for good. And we're, we're going to, we keep building that up. We have several, you know, in the queue in the next few months of just different opportunities where to help all of us think outside the box. Because it's not just about our kids. You know, we laugh or we try to say, oh, yeah, we're worried about our kids using pornography. We're worried about our kids bullying online. It's it's adults who are doing that, too, though. Absolutely. You know, half of the bullying I see online is other adults just being very disrespectful to, to mm-hmm. each other. You know, and most of us have had something where we thought we were being funny or we thought, we were just responding to somebody and maybe we were, we were rude, mm. you know, and again, showing our kids, oh, this is also how you apologize online. <laughs> yes. This is, this is how, you know, you, you know, how can we be the, how can we be authentic and be my real self? I'm not just going to show the pictures of when I'm having a perfect day or I'm on a trip and there's a lake behind me, you know, that I want to be, I want people to know that my real life is the same as my online life, hmm. you know, because that's, that's also something new that's been discussed a lot in digital citizenship. So digital citizenship, like I said before, is using technology for good. But there is a, a very small movement having to do with digital citizenship. And a lot of that talks about authenticity of just being very real online and melding that online life, that online persona with our real life persona. Yes. And again, that's something we can teach kids from their little, like, you know, don't, don't hide your real feelings. You can very kindly and very strongly, you know, express your opinion. So again, modeling that and, and just practice, practice, practice is always is the best way I think to help empower our kids for this. So some of the takeaways from what you just said for me was um, primarily modeling that good behavior um, and, and being um, transparent about your own use of it and why you're on your phone and what it's and what it's for. And 
Um, and then the other uh, takeaways I got were setting parameters in place for tech use. So sometimes that can mean having fun or taking a break or um, just mindless Instagram searching. But if there's a parameter in place of it's going to be this long or it's going to be when this when this stuff is done and um, then it's different. Um, so not only modeling that, but also putting parameters in place for your kids. And finally, the last takeaway I took from what you said is having a purpose. So their purpose behind what they're doing on technology, purpose for every time you're picking up your phone that you really have a reason to be on there, even if you know I just need a break right now and I'm going to go on whatever social media thing you like for this long, you know, having a purpose in place. Is there anything else uh, um, you would say that you would hope people would take away from what you would, what you've talked about? Well, I think like what you just like, just repeating what you just said about having a purpose, being intentional, Yeah, you know, because think of how much, I mean, all of us have done it where we have wasted time, where we went on YouTube to maybe watch one thing and we watched 10 videos Uh that were, you know, that were useless (laughs) or we thought, we were just going to go on Facebook for five minutes. And it's like, again, having that discipline for ourselves and we, we tend to like ignore it or just think we haven't, because again, this is new technology. So it's not like we had our parents teaching us, Oh, you know, you have to get a, B and C done before you get on that. And we, so we ourselves are learning as parents, what are the right, you know, parameters for that. So I think just again, being very intentional, in everything that we do, you know, just like we are at work, just as we are with our children, we're not just floating around doing whatever we want. We have rules. Think about it. When mm. we, for health, for our physical health, for exercise, for eating, we have, we have specific guidelines as to what we know is healthy to put into our bodies, what is not healthy. It is the same thing with technology, that there are limits and there are great things and there's junk food. And we need to kind of just, again, and it's something that we have to revisit. I think that's something else too is, Mm. you know, we revisit these conversations with our kids at least every six months. And it's not because, you know, we're being strict. It's more like we kind of start to forget there becomes some new challenge because there are the the technology is moving so quickly right you know like my kids basically they need us they need a smartphone in their classroom in Mm. high school at the high school my kids go to so that's basically why they have one but there are things that come up there's new apps that come out there's a new friend that is texting my kid constantly that we have to kind of reestablish those rules so it's a it's a topic that we're going to revisit over and over again and that was something I that's something I didn't know when my kid, my oldest mm. was in middle, in middle school, but I had to learn that of, oh, it's okay to just kind of like to make new rules on this because again, it's new technology and it's constantly evolving. So it's not like, and then the same thing with where you have one rule that worked for one child, it's not going to work for another child because they have a different personality, you know? And so again, helping our kids understand like the, the rules are not going to stay perfect because this technology is constantly changing that we have to change our rules up for this sometimes. Hmm. Oh, I do love that because we have to do that with ourselves too. I mean, we ebb and flow with our good and bad habits with tech use and so will our kids and things just change so much. And what are some common mistakes parents are making that you see with how they are teaching their children to use technology? So we, I think the the tough things that we see are people who are either just giving their kids phones with no instructions and no monitoring. 
Um, the technology on cell phone, say, uh, monitoring and filtering is not perfect, but it's much better than it was even just two years ago. So there are a lot of great different filters out there that will help. To me, filtering, especially for younger kids, and I'm talking like 11, 12, 13, it's kind of like giving them a leg up. It's give, it's it's kind of pr- it's protecting them for things that their developing brains are not ready for, and it's not just porn. It's other it's violence, it's other just snarky mean stuff that it kind mm. of helps filter some of that out okay. until their brains are are getting, you know, old enough to to deal with some of that. So that is one issue that I see is people because this you know a phone is also again, because of its potential for good, it also has a potential for bad, right? You can think of it as like, to me, giving your kid a smartphone without rules, without a cell phone contract, and without filtering is the same as giving your child a gun. Like there's, you can, you can literally damn, you could damage and mentally and and emotionally kill somebody with a Mm. phone. So you need to be very wise in those discussions. And that's why you're going to revisit those discussions. But I think the other side of that are the people who have just decided, well, my kid will never have a smartphone or my child will never go on social media. And that is also damaging. One, because kids, most of our kids live on social media, just like you and I might have lived at the mall Mm. or lived at the football game Friday night. Our kids, a lot of them are living on on phones and living on social media. So by doing that, you're basically asking them to commit social suicide sometimes if you're not going to. But also, I want my kids to make their mistakes while they are still living with me. So you want to give them some parameters, but you also want to give them the opportunity to make choices, to figure out, oh, that didn't really feel good when I said that mean thing to so-and-so. And you know what? Oops, I came across some websites that gave me some really icky feelings. And so, again, I want that to happen in my home. I'm not just going to, you know, prevent everything. And then when they leave my house, they can buy whatever they want, including a cell phone and whatever social media. And they have had no practice at home like that. That is not, that's handicapping your child just as much as it's handicapping your child to give them no direction. So again, it's finding that balance and though that is, that is being intentional Mm -hmm. when you think about, okay, what are we going to do with our phones? What are our family rules, that family standard? And this is something that you can create with your kids. I don't think it always works. I mean, when they're little, mom and dad are going to make those and just, and give and help the kids understand those rules. But as they get older, a little more independent, again, 11, 12, 13, they need to have a say in that. They need to have um, some, a stake in that family mission and that family tech use. And so you want to get their input and compromise and see what works for the family because they're going to call you on stuff, Mm. you know? Oh, well, you don't like me being on my phone? Hey, mom, are, why are you on your phone? You know, so again, creating that, what will work and what will balance with your family. Well, that has the empowerment piece to it. That, mm-hmm. Those open conversations, deciding things together when it's the appropriate age that empowers them to better abide by the standards that are put in place because they helped talk through them and decide them and own them. Um, so I, I know some people are going to ask if you have some monitoring recommendations or filter recommendations when you are trying to give those uh, tweens or younger teens some uh, that that leg up, as you said, as they are learning how to use phones on their own independently. So um, we, I like 
I'm kind of um, a cheapskate when it comes to monitoring and filtering. So That's one thing good to I, hear because yeah. I'm sure I'm going to be yeah. too. One thing I do like for the home is something called open DNS. So like the word open and then capital D, capital N, capital mm-hmm. S. Okay. And that is something that happens at the, it's a monitoring and filtering at, not a monitoring, excuse me, it's filtering at the router level in your oh, home. Uh-huh. So anybody that uses your Wi-Fi, so even someone that comes to visit, um, they go, every device comes under that umbrella. And we have been very happy with it. I think it, it filters YouTube pretty well. There's no perfect filter. So that's sure. number one. That's, again, why we have to have these conversations with our kids is because they're going to come across stuff that is, you know, violent, pornographic, or just plain icky. So that's the, that's at the router level. At the device level, we we like I have something that we use Net Nanny on our phones, but there's also something called Mama Bear, is another good um, cell phone um, device filtering. There's also uh, PC Pandora. So there's different ones, and some of them offer just filtering, but some of them offer monitoring as well, where they will, they'll send you a notification if your child has attempted to go on like a bad website or if they're trying to delete texts. There's some um, that will even report yeah, where you can look up every text they send. So again, that's up to you and your family. Cause again, every child is different. There's some kids who don't, who need very little of this. And there's some kids who need a lot of monitoring and filtering. And you will know that as your parent, which of as a parent, you will know which kids need a lot more guidance and which ones are just, that's just not their temptation. It's kind of like for me, like, you know, I did, I was not tempted by drugs and alcohol as a teenager. That just mm-hmm. did nothing for me. I had other temptations. Yeah. You know, if I had had a smartphone, I have no idea how I would have been I would have probably looked up every single thing ever like because I'm I'm very curious but so again so there's a lot of different ones Um, Covenant Eyes has some a lot of people like Circle by Disney for their for their for their home devices Um, all of these cost money you know OpenDNS is free for um, for at the like I said at the router level does not do your phones but um, there's canine web protection. That one is also free. Canine, like um, like a dog, you mm-hmm. know, K-9 web protection. Okay. That one is also free. It's a little bit more cumbersome. You know, when they're free, they're going to be, they're not going to be as easy to work with, but it's not so cumbersome that it's not worth trying. Um, but again, like you're going to find what you know, do some research, you know, there's tons of reviews out there where you can read what works for your family, because there is some, you know, again, there's some families where they need to look at the screenshots where you can, you know, like PC Pandora, you can look at screenshots, you can see your kids passwords. Mm. If they start trying to hide that stuff from you, you know, and you are really worried, you know, listen to that gut feeling that might be your best filter and teaching your kids that filter is because I've had a, I've had a lot of device or you know a lot of different um, filters, but it has sometimes been my gut feeling that has helped me go hmm, let me go check the search history, hmm, let me go see what this child is up to. So you have we have to listen to our own internal feelings and again teaching our kids how to self monitor and to listen to their gut as well when the friend tries to show them something when somebody starts texting them in a way that they know is not quite right 
we have to get our, we, all of us need to be listening to those instincts. And that's what I love about your mission. you you have these tools, but your overarching purpose is to have those conversations with them. So you're not just putting these things in place. You're talking about them and you're modeling them. And I think that's so much better than, than like you said, those two alternatives, either doing nothing or doing way too much without it being something that's going to set them up for success. Yeah. We have to think about like what, you know, what are the things that we learned? Like I think of how many times did I have to show my child how to tie his shoes before he learned? I didn't just throw a pair of shoes at him and go here, (laughs) here you go. Wear wear these and tie them, will you? Yeah. Good luck. I remember we, you know, showing him and even sometimes I remember with one child, it was difficult enough. He couldn't figure out what I was doing. I showed him a YouTube video mm-hmm. that helped him. Yeah. So again, using technology, it's a good thing. But also, again, practicing side by side, that side by side learning is huge right now. Because again, we this is a technology that, you know, think about it. I had learned to tie my shoes when I was four or five. And I hadn't had to worry about that again until I was maybe 30 years old with one of my children. This is different with a phone. It is it's going to be side by side learning. And it's okay. Let your kids show you something on your phone. That is empowering as well. Let them lead and teach you something with their phones. You know, there's, it's just, you know, there's so many different things that we can do that it's, it's a good thing. So, Mm -hmm. so, so when does Petra's power to see come out? That one will be out. Um, it probably early February. Okay. Uh, right now we have Noah's new phone, um, a story about using technology for good. And that is coming out, um, in the next week. So early November. That's exciting. That, that, and that is about using technology for good. All of our books are, have discussion questions. They're meant to be used in a family night setting, if possible, that you read it along together. And then there are discussion questions. And then there are like from the story, then there's questions about, you know, how do we combat these messages? Or how do we deal with them? And there's also a couple of activities, simple activities to help reinforce the ideas. We had that with our body image books. Um, So we we have our, our body image books are called one is called messages about me Sydney story, a girl's journey to healthy body image. And then we have messages about me, Wade's story, a boy's quest for healthy body image. And those came out in September. And then we have uh, Noah's new phone coming out in the next week or so. That is so much. So what I want to spend like a whole other hour on is, well, one, the the body image stuff, because that is particularly interesting to me. We might have to have you back for a separate topic on that. Um, But two, I, I just want to know all about the business of this. I mean, it's, it's just, it's incredible to me that you started all of this four years ago and this is how far you've come. And it also shows me that this is something that you were meant to do. I mean, to make this from nothing and it to be so powerful. I mean, good job, Dina. I mean, we can talk a long time about that, but I just want to say, well done. I'm super impressed. Um, it's time for us to wrap this up, but I always like to, to ask a guest, even if they haven't talked personally a lot through the interview, but a more personal question at the, at the end. And that's what have you learned about yourself the past few years, Dina? I think I've learned to, you know, forgive myself for mistakes and, and move on and not beat myself up because I, I can't count how many times that I've said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do it anyways. I had never uh, written a children, children's book until this last year. Yeah. But again, I felt, I felt compelled. 
um, I I am a Christian. I believe in God, and I feel like I've list, I've had to ask and pray many times for direction and ideas, and also just you know, hey, okay, calming down because what I thought was important maybe didn't wasn't as successful as something else, you know. And so, kind of realizing that there is a bigger plan out there, and you just keep doing your best. You know, I'm like I said, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every day, but it's about just keep going and keep believing in yourself and keep trying and you're going to you know you will find the people who want to hear your message because that is something you know like you know you think that you're writing something or doing something so fabulous that everybody should love it and agree with it well that's just not the way it is mm. and so just yes. kind of be like well the people who want to find me will find me you know who want my help or who want these resources they'll find us and that's i'm sure you have found that the same with this podcast you know yeah. that the people who are looking for this they're going to find it so. Absolutely. I think I needed that reminder today. Dina, you are fabulous. I am definitely having you back on whether you like it or not. So thank you very Love much. To. Thank you. I want to again thank Dina for being on the show. She was so fantastic that as soon as we got off our recording, I said, when can we do the next one? And we have since recorded two other interviews that I'm very excited to share with you. One will be on body image and one will be on pornography and we will air those one per month. Next month will be one and the end of February will be another. So look forward to that. Um, and she is definitely going to be back again after that too. We were thinking about doing a Q&A. So you can start thinking of questions that you would like to ask Dina and have answered on the show. I, I can't recommend you checking out her website enough. There really are so many free resources there that are incredibly helpful as you learn how to cultivate this environment in your home um, of conversations, of openness, of discussion, and of no topics being off limits. If you are interested in learning more about Dina, I have included links to her website and her books that she mentioned on my show notes. You can find my show notes on my website aboutprogress.com. You can also see more of me on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. And there I'm a little bit more personal about things that are going on. It's just not podcast centric, although that does come up. Um, there's a little bit more to offer there. And Facebook, I try to share some good articles that I come across that are also related to us and what we're about. As the holidays approach, I just want to thank you for taking the time to make this show a part of your life. We are all so busy. And there are so many things pulling at us and our attention, and I'm sure many of them are very, very worthy of your attention, but I'm grateful to you for taking the thought to make me and this podcast a part of your life. I'm really looking forward to 2018 and the things I have in store for this podcast, and I am excited to share them with you in the near future. So I wish you a happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, and on and on. I hope you have a happy holidays. And I will see you next Wednesday still for another interview. We're not stopping yet. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.